Okay, football fans, we are here for episode number one of the Montana Mint Sports coverage of the 2019 Big Sky Conference football season. We are talking hypothetical over-unders for each of the 13 teams in the Big Sky Conference today, and I am joined with our gambling expert, Montana Parlay. Montana Parlay, please tell me how you're coping with the Montana State Twitter account being blocked. Oh, it's been a rough couple of days. Uh, been very dark. I uh, have no idea what's going on. Not sure where to place my bets, how to place my bets. I don't think I've ever looked at one of their tweets, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is funny with how much like credit Jeff Choate uh, gets for being this social media genius uh, that they're, they're the account that got blocked. I know he is not the one personally running it, but it is a little, uh, a little satisfying as a Grizz fan. Today, uh, same like we did last season, uh, Parlay and I are going to go through what we think the over-under totals are for the 13 Big Sky teams. Uh, we will go team by team. So if you want to check out someone specifically, just know we're going in alphabetical order. Uh, in terms of process, it is kind of a, a weird uh, thing to be guessing. And I think people will take, uh, you know, be criticizing some of our like assumptions going in. But how I kind of came up with my totals and Montana, I'll let you uh, do yours in a second. Is I looked at two things. First, I went through the, everyone's schedule to determine, you know, what are cupcake wins or guaranteed losses, and then uh, found out what I thought were kind of the, the toss-up games, uh, the either-or games. For that, for the either-or games, I broke the conference into different tiers, a top-tier, middle-tier, bottom-tier. Um, and so if you're a middle-tier team playing another middle-tier team, uh, it's just a toss-up. If you're a middle-tier team playing a a bottom tier team at home, I count that as uh, uh, I count that as a as a toss up. Or if it's on the road, I count it as a toss up. If it's at home, I count it as a win. Uh, you'll see this as we go, but just there's going to be some instances where it's like, look, Eastern Washington is going to be favored in a lot of these games, of course. But we're going to count. I'm going to count them as either either or games in terms of determining my overall number. Montana parlay. How did you come up with your number? Well, I took a nice nap. Woke up, looked at look at the schedules, and essentially the same thing. I, you know, I have, we've got a pretty good feel for these teams over the years. Uh, watching them um, on Pluto for about you know thirty minutes of the sixty minutes of game time, uh, when you account for cutouts and blackouts and <laughs> the shaky feeds. Yeah. So we kind of we kind of know where these teams are at. I, I didn't really so much put them into tiers, but you know, there's some guaranteed wins. Uh, there's some home and road uh, that come into play. And, you know, basically I just kind of checked win-loss or 50-50 and then went from there uh, throughout the total. And let's remind everyone that the playoffs are not included. So when you're betting these over-unders yeah. in Vegas, which they're really easy to find. Um, obviously we're being sarcastic. You won't find them anywhere. But it kind of gives us a good feeling for where we expect the teams to be by the end of the year. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it is it is regular season, but it counts out-of-conference games, including FBS games, including Division II games. Uh, so let's let's jump right into this. Uh, and number one on our list, alphabetical, is the Cal Poly Mustangs. Last year, Cal Poly did not uh, perform how they would want how they wanted to. Overall, they went five and six. This year, they're bringing back uh, six starters on offense and almost everybody on defense. 
they got decimated in terms of the loss of their overall offensive uh, production from last year with the departure of Joe Prothrow. They've lost 60% of all of the offense from last year, which is by far the highest in all the Big Sky Conference. It's hard to see them getting any better. Um, and let's just kind of take a quick look at their schedule. Looking at this, I think they have two guaranteed wins, which are, uh, and I consider Cal Poly to be a middle-tier team. I think they have two guaranteed wins. Uh, they have Sacramento State at home and at Northern Colorado, who I think is the worst team in the Big Sky. Four guaranteed losses, in my opinion. A non-conference game at Weber State, at Oregon State, at UC Davis, um, and Eastern Washington, who's coming to Cal Poly to play. So right there, we have two wins, um, four losses, and five toss-up games. We're the only team in the Big Sky with an 11-game schedule. Uh, which also hurts them here. So looking at those either-or games, I'm going to split them down the middle uh, and give them a four-and-a-half win uh, over under total for the year. Where do you have them? Right in that range. And last year, that's where we had them, was four-and-a-half. And they ended up with five. So we were uh, pretty accurate uh, with Cal Poly. They're just kind of one of those middle-tier teams that they can be frisky, uh, you, you can't necessarily give every team an automatic win against them on the road unless you're like the top two teams. So, you know, they can, they can be frisky, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And their wins, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. A team like this, uh, that's built like this, that runs the, that runs the spread triple option. It really comes down to schedule, um, for how they're going to do. They have a tough schedule. Um, and so I think that's where we're putting them kind of in the bottom half, bottom half of the league. Uh, do you want to intro us to our next team on the list? All right. So we got Eastern Washington, otherwise known as, I guess, the QB factory of the big sky. Uh, last year they had a big injury. Gabrud went down. Um, and now he's transferring to Oregon. That seem, They're, they're kind of like a farm team for Oregon uh, quarterbacks, I think. But uh, that didn't s- slow them down. They went on a tear. In fact, they were within two scores of North Dakota State in the playoffs. They ended up with 10 wins last year. Uh, we gave them 8.5 and, and thought the over would be good, but they had an impressive 10 wins before the playoffs. And this year, it shouldn't be anything different. They have a very favorable schedule. Uh, it starts rough with Washington, uh, and Washington was pretty decent last year in the FBS. They do go on the road to Jacksonville State, and that's not a guaranteed win. I kind of marked that on the 50-50, more skewed towards a win for Eastern. But other than that, they do not have any marks in the loss column for me so I see them right back in that 10 win range uh, they're going to score a lot of touchdowns and they have a easy schedule I agree so just to be clear Gage Gabrud is, has transferred to Washington State um, oh, but e- okay. Eastern Washington <laughs> is clearly the the premier team uh, in the big sky going into the year coming off a national championship appearance at the media days in Spokane a couple weeks ago uh, they were, you know, obviously they kind of had a home field advantage, but they were the team that everybody was talking to. There's a line to talk to Coach Bess. There's a line to talk to the players they had there. Uh, it's a 12-game schedule. I think, you know, a, a loss at Washington, I think we can we can mark down for sure. 
I then have uh, seven what I view are guaranteed wins. It's a D2 Lindenwood team, North Dakota, at Sac State, Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona, at Cal Poly, and Portland State. So there's, there's seven total wins. So when we're setting the line, seven wins, uh, seven wins, one loss. There's four games that I would view as toss-ups. I think they will be favored in each of these games, but they're all on the road. They all pose different challenges. One, you mentioned Jacksonville State. Uh, they play at Idaho in a non-conference game, and they are far superior to Idaho, but Idaho is treating this like it's the Super Bowl. So they're going to be hyped for this for sure. Then they go to Montana and at Idaho State, uh, who I think is going to be decent this year. So then it comes down to, all right, we have seven wins. Do we think, where do we set the line? Is it at nine and a half? Meaning we think that they're going to win three out of those four games? Or do we send it at, set it at ten and a half, saying they're going to win all four of those games? I'm leaning towards nine and a half for Eastern Washington, but it could be talked into going another direction. Where, where do you think we should set this line? You know, I'd have to put it right at 10. Uh, obviously, if that if that was the case, it would take away some of the betting action because if it was at 9.5, you just have way too much money on the over. So 10, if it hits 10, so that means they would win three out of the four of those toss-up games, um, then, then, the, then the line would just push, right? And so you, what you yeah. to get the over, you have to, you have to think they're going to win every game except... Uh, the first game on the road at Washington. They're good enough to do that for sure. Um, but I do have uh, one concern uh, with them, and which is why I was kind of leaning more towards the nine and a half. They are only bringing back five starters on, on offense and five starters on defense in terms of kind of the lost uh, production from last year. They got decimated on the offensive line, on the offensive side. They are uh, number... Two, number three behind uh, 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 Cal Poly, who I mentioned, and uh, Idaho in terms of lost offensive production. And so, look, they this is a team that's competitive every year. They're not uh, necessarily rebuilding, but they are uh, replenishing their roster. They should be fine, but it is just it, it's kind of tough. Head coach Aaron Best, he's this is going to. His, Third season, he only has three Big Sky losses total in his career. Um, let's set it at 10, um, which which I think may kind of be the chicken way up, but we'll set it at 10, and then we'll let all of you vote, and we'll check how everyone did at the end of the year. Anything else on Eastern Washington you want to raise? No, I'm just ex- hoping they make the playoffs and do well by the Big Sky. I, I, it's just too bad. They don't play Montana State. Uh, I'd like to see that game this year. Yeah, no, I mean, schedule will always be an issue in the Big Sky. And one last thing before we move on. Uh, As you've seen on Twitter, we are part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. It's something we launched with fans, uh, fan-led podcasts across the Big Sky. One of those podcasts, uh, the Eagle Power Hour, is is debuting this year. It's going to be really awesome to have, have these guys covering the Big Sky on the same level that uh, we've kind of been doing here at the Mint for the past couple of years. And moving on to the next team, the Idaho Vandals, we launched this effort with uh, our boys at the Tubs at the Club podcast. We're big Vandal fans who had a big presence in uh, Spokane for the media day. So check them out on Twitter. Check out our uh, Big Sky 
at Big Sky Podcast on Twitter, where you can get all of the content coming out from from this little network that we put together. Um, but Idaho, so again, this is their second year back in the FCS. They dropped down from a very unsuccessful run at the FBS, which we covered a lot last year, um, and they finished last year a pretty pathetic four and seven overall. There is among Idaho fans some reason, some optimism going into the year that this could be a fringe playoff team. Uh, I want to go through their schedule real quick um, because to me, they only have two guaranteed wins on the schedule. And that is a division two game against central Washington and a home game against Sacramento state. I think they're going to be favored in some of these other games uh, throughout the year, but I think we only have two guaranteed wins uh, and they, they have a really tough schedule uh, in, with two FBS teams in their out-of-conference play at Penn State, which is hilarious. They're going to lose by uh, 200 points. And then at Wyoming, uh, also play at Montana and have Weber State at home. I'm counting all those at losses as losses. Um, the only reason they're playing Eastern Washington at home, the only reason I'm not counting that as a guaranteed loss for Idaho, Eastern is a much better football team. Uh, but this is something Idaho is, they are treating this game like a Super Bowl. They view this as as uh, a game that they, that could be a, uh, a, a, a program-changing uh, victory if they can get a win over Eastern. They're going to be hyped, and the game is going to be in Moscow. Um, Montana, where do you have them? So I have them, it's a 12-game schedule, I have them at five wins uh, for the year over under um do you agree with that? I wrote down five. And you're playing a lot into this uh, Super Bowl for Idaho. If you don't have the playing and you can't keep up with the coaching, I don't think it matters. I'm I'm leaning towards a loss in that game pretty heavily. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the line is uh, come game day as far as where, where Vegas and the offshore bookkeepers think uh, that one. I, I, I could see Eastern being favored by six or seven. Oh, I think Eastern is going to be a big favorite. I mean, Eastern yeah. handled them last year by 24 points. Okay. Uh, it, but the only thing, this is this will be a road game for Eastern, but not not that far. So I'm sure some fans will be able to make that trip. Uh, but it's going to be, it's a home game for Idaho. They're going to be hyped up. I they're, uh, They are unquestionably the underdog going into this, but I just can't put them down as a guaranteed loss based on those two factors um anything else on on idaho that we need to need to cover no they won four games last year i know there was a lot of hype we actually had their over under at six and a half so we were a bit off on that one uh, in fact you could have just switched our guesses on ida on the other idaho team idaho state and we would have been just fine um so i think we can move on yeah, I bought into the thing with Idaho last year is I bought into it's like, you know, even though the Big Sky regularly beat them up or was competitive in games, I bought into this idea that this is a FBS team. They're just going to be bigger and faster for the next couple of years as these recruits that they had uh, drop down to our level. That was definitely not the case, um, and I was I was wrong there. Uh, the next team, uh, and you've already kind of mentioned this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Idaho State? So Idaho State um, last year really outperformed expectations. They won some big games that they weren't expected to. 
Like I said, we guessed they're over-under at three. They ended up at six. They're on the cusp of making the playoffs. Probably have some momentum going into this year. They had a great running attack. And boom, they get just waylaid with the schedule. Right off the gate, they are, um, well, they've got a win right off the gate. But um, then they go at Utah, at Northern Iowa. Those are both losses. Yeah, those are both losses. And I I think I read the the first game wrong because I had marked it down as a loss, and it's clearly going to be a win against Western State. Uh, But look at this. They they play an FBS school the second to last game of the year at BYU, November 16th. That's in in between Eastern and Weber. That's brutal. I mean, they pretty much have three straight losses to end the year. I guess an optimist could be like, well, you know, if we beat Eastern and Weber, we're at the top of the big sky, but I don't see that happening. I've got them at three and a half, or, or I have them at four or four and a half is where I've got them. And that's pretty tough considering they won six last year, outperformed expectations, and probably had some momentum heading into this year. Yeah, they. so I actually asked Coach Fennessy about this BYU game, and right when I started talking about schedule, I was like, I see you got uh, BYU, and he just put his hands in his head, or his head in his hands, and just like looked down, looked over to his press guy, he was like, look, these schedules are made way before uh, I got here, he's only going into his third season at the school. It's something that he said they're looking into. We'll run this interview uh, in the middle of the season when the when the uh, they go to play Montana. Um, I, I'm a little more optimistic on Idaho State. Uh, you know, last year uh, their offense was very solid in conference play. They were number three in terms of uh, scoring offense and total offensive yards, um, and they're bringing back basically everybody, but. Uh, uh, their quarterback, they, the which is going to be a big loss. But if you assume their quarterback, um, who is a Idaho transfer, is decent, I think we're bringing back a very explosive offense. Um, last year, you know, they ended up with with six wins, but they also had two very close losses to very good teams, and they lost in overtime uh, to UC Davis, and they lost uh, uh, just by a touchdown on a road game to FBS Liberty, which was also in the middle of the year. Um, I think this is a good team. I think in terms of a team that can make a jump, I have them uh, on my on my potential list. Uh, and I said it a little bit higher. I think they have four guaranteed losses, uh, which, you know, BYU, Weber State, uh, Utah, and Northern Iowa. Eastern Washington, uh, I mark this as an either-or game for Eastern, so I'll keep it consistent here. It's going to be a home game, but this is a game that uh, uh, Coach Fennessy will know that they have to win, and they go for they have a stretch of a couple easy games. So you think this is a if they are actually competitive, uh, the three weeks leading up to Eastern on November 9th, uh, they'll be playing at Southern Utah, who's going to be garbage, and uh, a home game at Northern Colorado. Tennessee is going to be gunning for this Eastern Washington team. So again, it is a team that I think is going to have an explosive offense. It is a team uh, that will need this win in order to get into the playoffs. Uh, so I, I have that as an either-or game. I set the line, uh, and I, I think their only guaranteed wins, Western Colorado, Portland State, and Northern Colorado. I set the over-under at 5.5, which 
which I, I think is aggressive. I think we could bet on this, the money would be going under, but um, it, to me, that's, that's where this team is. Yeah, they're going to give some teams some problems, some challenging games. Uh, they've got a great offense, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, I'd like to see them get six at least, but the schedule's just rough. Yeah, and the problem is we're probably not going to know who they are until uh, until October, right? Like they have such cupcakes on either cupcakes. They're either the cupcake or they're playing super tough teams. Uh, maybe Northern Iowa in week three will give us an idea of uh, how their quarterback play is, um, and I may readjust the line at at that point. But um, that's the problem with playing, you know. Division two and FBS team so early on as it doesn't give you a great sense of where a team is. Uh, the ne- so wh- where did we have them last year? You said three. We had them at three, and they outperformed by th- you know they got up to six. Got it. Okay. Um, next team we have, and we'll spend a little more time on this guy. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. Uh, and producer Jerry has given me the go-ahead that we can uh, spend a couple minutes here. Uh, University of Montana Grizzlies, year two under coach Bobby Houck. Uh, this is a team, in my opinion, that has a very, very high ceiling in the big sky. They had an explosive offense last year. They are bringing basically everybody back. Uh the problem that they're going to run into is that they have a very difficult schedule. So while I think they have a high ceiling and I think that they could be uh, one of the toughest teams in the big sky, I think they have a very low floor as well where other like Montana state, I think has a pretty high floor. We can get to that in a moment. One thing I want to point out in terms of uh, scoring last year, Montana versus their opponents in all the games they played. First quarter last year, Montana outscored opponents 116 to 72. Second quarter outscored them 102 to 60. Third quarter outscored them 83 to 48. In the fourth quarter, Montana was outscored almost double. Montana 72 points, their opponents 134 points. To me, this is a team that had six wins last year. They underperformed last year. They were probably, in my opinion, a seven or eight win team. Uh, and they're bringing back this offense. I'm high on them, but this schedule is brutal. I think they have one guaranteed loss on their schedule, and that's at Oregon. I only think they have two guaranteed wins on their schedule, and that's at Sacramento State and at Portland State, even though Portland State beat us last year. I think they then have nine toss-up games. They have a lot. They have a, just a weird schedule. They're playing all four of the playoff teams uh, from the Big Sky last year. Their out of conference schedule is is tough. That's it's what the one FBS game against Oregon, and then uh, three FCS games that uh, they'll be favored in at least two of them. But they're quality opponents coming into Washington Grizzly. I just can't. I can't. I think that their ceiling is very high, but I'm going to set the over-under at just six and a half wins. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that's fair. They're, they are good. They underperformed last year. I don't know what that says about Hawks' coaching style. He obviously gets his team well-prepared heading into the week. It's the in-game adjustments where the other teams are just crushing the Grizz. Some of that can be an experience, though, because with a young team, 
uh, a new program, it's a lot easier to work on stuff for a week than to make adjustments on the fly, and maybe they fix that for this year. Uh, the, the, to be, you know, look at it from a Grizz fan perspective, this schedule is rough, but the positive thing is the Big Sky games, the toughest teams they get at home. Um, yeah, exactly. Weber State, Eastern Washington. So if you want to look at it that way, you say, you know what? Big Sky is a mess with how many teams there are. At least we play the top teams, and if we beat them, you know, we're in the driver's seat. The road games that are tough for them are UC Davis, which, you know, I'll get into more about what I think with them uh, later on, but I still think that's winnable. And then, of course, at Montana State to round things out. And history, recent history shown us that home field advantage in that game really doesn't matter. So, yes, the Grizz have a very tough schedule, but, you know, if you believe in them, it's not impossible, and it's actually kind of an advantage to be playing all the top teams. That really helps you out in the playoffs uh, when you have a good team, so you're battle-tested. Yeah, and UC Davis, that's a great point. It's uh, out of all the road games um, in terms of the in- – in terms of the four playoff teams from last year, I'd, I'd rather see UC, UC Davis on the road um, because if you have to, you know, split them uh, two at home, two, two on the road, UC Davis does not have a home field advantage, right? This is not a team that is going to be packing the house. And keep in mind, UC Davis is a legit good football team. They are ranked in the top 10, and this it was not a fluke of schedule last year like Southern Utah a couple of years ago. This is a legit football team coached by Dan Hawkins. Uh, but at the end of the day, last year when they beat the Grizz, that was the first time they ever beat the Grizzlies at home or away. And so, I, you know, UC Davis will be favored going into this game, but it is not like they're going in, the Grizz are walking into an atmosphere that is going to blow them away. Uh, they're just going to be going against a very good football team. If they are also a good football team, then great. You know, this is going to be one heck of a game and it can set the tone uh, going forward. Um, should we move on to the Cats? I think so. Best to move on to the better team in yeah. Montana. <laughs> uh, uh, producer Jerry saying we only have 45 seconds to talk about the Cats. So why don't you uh, give us... Oh, actually, one more, one more Grizz point. Um, and I think Nate and I are going to do a more in-depth Cacaris uh, preview uh, before the season starts, um, and I'll get into this more there. We were able to interview Coach Houck um, uh, at the media days. We weren't able to get into uh, the two players that they they brought, Dante Olson and Dalton Sneed, just because there's a big line to meet them, and I want to hit up a lot of the other teams. But those two guys, Dalton Sneed and Dante Olson, definitely stole the room. There were... There was just an energy of the media paying attention to them, the other players in the room paying attention to them. Uh, it was it was noticeable um, by you know by the BS the Big Sky Podcast Network guys there, but also other media folks uh, and even coaches we talked to. They just hold themselves at a different level. And Dante Olson is an absolute monster to see in person. There's bigger personalities in the room, but you could tell that these two were probably the two most respected players. Um, and I think that type of leadership is something you need when you are a football team going into what's going to be a, a difficult season. A talented football team going into a difficult season, you need leadership uh, at all levels. And I have confidence in these two guys uh, to provide that for the Grizz. But anyways, let's move down down the road uh, to Montana State. And why don't you give us a quick intro? 
All right, so Montana State, they've been under Choate, number one. They're 3-0 and against the Grizz. Uh, the, the overall records the first two years were so-so. We talked a lot about those 50-50 games. Last year, they came through on the 50-50 games. The two that stand out the most, obviously, are um, the first one against, um, was it Western, when they yeah. came back in the second half and won yeah. that game, and then obviously Cat Grizz uh, with a huge win in the fourth quarter. Uh, they won those 50-50 games, and I think they won them all. And, and, and yes, they were 50-50 games before the game started, but come second half, they looked far from that. The Cats, you know, they pulled off some, you know, some huge wins, some huge comebacks. And between that, how well they overperformed in those games when they were really against it, and kind of this, the status of their offense and how unwilling they are to commit to a QB and how they've had to slot Anderson in, who has performed as a winner and a runner terrifically, but it really makes the passing offense hard to watch. It kind of has me, this contrarian cat fan from, you know, decades in a rough spot. Like this could be the down year. Like we're just due to fall off after last year overperforming in those games and just not having the Dalton Sneed to count on. But here's the thing. This is the best schedule I've seen from Montana State that I can remember. It's un- so, their, their conference schedule is unbelievable. It's very favorable. So it's the perfect schedule to figure out who your QB is. And I really hope Choate gives Rovig a chance if that's who they're going with. You know, my little internet research here, which obviously isn't always the greatest, uh, says he is leading uh, or, or led the way in spring ball. But, you know, any news out of Montana State is pretty tough uh, to go with for as far as the season goes, you know, they're kind of, they keep things close. So we'll see what happens with the offense. Their defense has been solid and their winners. Um, I have them at seven and a half, but I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins. You know, I, I didn't do the full guarantee. I just said eight games they should win. Two are 50-50, and two sure losses. So if we put down 7.5, I know a lot of Cat fans would be betting the over on that. Uh, and they should get a playoff berth. You know, I, I don't know what we look at as, uh, as you know, failure, but I, I'd like to see him get a bye this year. It's probably going to come down to Cat Grizz once again, whether or not they make the playoffs or get seeded highly. Yeah, look, I mean, it is, is if you're a coach like Jeff Choate, you're going into your fourth season, you've improved every single year. I mean, granted, the, the, the win over the Grizz every year helps, but if you just look straight record, straight performance, the Cats have gotten every better. Last year, not only did they make the playoffs, but they, uh, they won a playoff game, um, and that is undeniably good. If anything short of that is a disappointment. Right. Anything short of that yeah. is something that that cat fans are going to start worrying about. And I asked Coach Choate, um, he shockingly did not did not answer this question, but I asked him, what would the narrative be uh, on the cats this year if the ball wasn't punched out at the end of Cat Grizz? If the Grizz if the Grizz score a touchdown there, they're the ones that make the playoffs. You end the year. Uh, I think they would have been six and five at that point. What's the narrative on your team then? Um, 
you know, he did he, he, and I didn't, I didn't expect him to answer the question. He said, you know, this is, this is, uh, uh, I don't deal in hypotheticals, but I think it's, uh, it's a fair question. I mean, the Cats overperformed last year. They are coming into the season. There was not a team in Spokane who there is more hype about. These guys are, the Cats are ranked uh, in the top 20 in every single poll. They, they're, uh, in the media poll, they're ranked fourth. In the coaches' poll, they're ranked fifth. But that's because Jeff Cho uh, voted number Montana number one um, as some type of trolling exercise to have them jump the Cats for the fourth spot. But they are coming in with a with a ton of hype. I think there are four guaranteed wins on this schedule. I agree with you at seven and a half. Um, but Nor- Norfolk State, who's coming into Bozeman uh, for out-of-conference play, they're FCS, but they're not very good. Uh, Sacramento State's coming into Bozeman. Uh, same with Southern Utah, and then they're going on the road to Northern Colorado. To me, those are all the wins um, that are guaranteed. Obviously, Texas Tech at the beginning of the year is a loss, uh, but everyone else down here, I would kind of put down in this in this uh, toss-up category, um, including teams like look, it, Cal Poly just plays such a different game, and I think both the Cats and Cal Poly, in my opinion, are both middle-tier teams. Um, it's it's hard. The Cats should you know should win that game, but uh, just that triple option on the road is tough to uh, account for. We're gonna get into Northern Arizona here in a second, but uh, they're coming into Bozeman, and I think they're gonna be quite good this year. I think they're gonna be uh, much better. I think on the same level as a team like the Bobcats, um, and so that is not a guaranteed win. But seven and a half, I think, is right. Um, and but I. I think that in terms of teams that could that could disappoint this year, the Bobcats are the team uh, that just have they have so much hype. And even if they are improving, like objectively improving as a team, it's all about perception and it's all about the narrative around the team. And there's just such high expectations on the Bobcats this year. To me, it seems as though it is it it is a they are potentially in line for uh, a big disappointment. But let's see where seven and a half uh, gets them and what our fans think of that when we put it up uh, for a vote. Anything else on the cast you want to talk about there, Parlay? I'm looking really looking forward to their third game of the year uh, at Western. Uh, me and some friends yeah. will be going. I Love fully it. expect to make sure that there's more Montana State fans uh, in the stands for that game than Western fans, and we'll see how it goes. Because that, that could really set the tone going into the conference play a few weeks after that. Totally. No, that's a, that's a huge game for them. And, I mean, and credit to, credit to Jeff Choate and his team for putting together this out-of-conference schedule with both, you know, SEMO uh, coming into Bozeman at, at Western Illinois and bringing in another FCS team. That's, uh, that's how, you know, these seasons should be put together. Uh, moving on, though, just to uh, the next squad here who I kind of mentioned, but Northern Arizona. So Northern Arizona last year finished, uh, I can't find their uh, record in front of me, but it was not great. It, four they, wins. Oh, they finished four wins. Four wins. They were, they were not thrilled um, with that outcome, and part of it can be attributed to uh, injury to star quarterback Case Cookus. Um Northern Arizona, I was very high on last year. Uh, I think, in fact, they may have gotten my first place voter. At least I ranked them pretty high up there. And they started the year, last year, the road win uh, against an FBS team, UTEP, who granted stinks. And then they played uh, 
uh, Eastern Washington very tough. They lost by five points, but that's the game that Cookus went down in, and the season kind of fell apart from there. They had a canceled game against Sacramento State. Um, it was just, it was a mess. Uh, but Cookus is back. He's healthy. He will be the starting quarterback. Um, and I think that their schedule is is somewhat favorable. Uh, you know, out of conference, or let's go with the losses. Uh, I, the three losses I see here um, are they're playing at Arizona, at Weber State, at Eastern. That's a brutal, you know, three brutal games. I don't think they have much of a chance winning there. But they think they have four easy wins in terms of Sacramento State, who they get at home, Portland State, who they get at home, Northern Colorado, who they get at home, and then a, a Division II team, Western New Mexico. So there's four wins right there. Okay, the rest of their schedule... FCS Missouri State, at Illinois State, at Montana State, at Southern Utah, and then Idaho at home. You know, how many of those wins do you think they can get? To me, those are five toss-up games. So if we split them, that would put the line at six and a half, which is a big improvement on last year and gets Northern Arizona into kind of the playoff discussion. Do you disagree uh, with any of those uh, uh, notes that I just made on the Lumberjacks? No, I don't. I you know, some of those fifty fifty like at Illinois State might be a little less than a fifty fifty game for them. That's a tough Missouri Valley Conference school on the road. Yeah. Uh last year it's just weird the last couple of years. You know, that two years ago they made the playoffs and just got utterly embarrassed. Uh last year obviously Cookus went down and they they were they underperformed our total for them by three and a half we picked seven and a half last year they went four uh they they were really had an optimistic season last year but one interesting win they had is they beat weber at home without cookus yeah, yeah. They, they looked tremendous in that game they they had a great defense um you know th- although we'll talk on that you know weber's offense isn't always the best but no matter which way you put it that is a great win to beat one of the best teams, the best team in the Big Sky last year, um, without your starting QB. So I wouldn't not be surprised. That, yeah. Not only that, but they also beat North Dakota in the last game of the season, and North Dakota was flirting with the playoffs. They were ranked number 25 that game. Yeah. And Northern Arizona knocked them off, and they beat them by two touchdowns without Cook. It, like, I, th- you know, I, I think I've overhyped this team for multiple years, and so maybe I've just drank the Kool-Aid um, but it's a new coach. It, the players have bought into this new coach, and they're coming into the year healthy. I, I, you know, I think if Vegas actually set a line on them, it would probably be significantly lower, and I would hammer, I would hammer the over. Yeah, I agree. I could see like uh, book bookie odds being right around five, but I, yeah. I tend to agree more towards the six, six and a half. I, I think they'll be in contention for the playoffs this year. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to uh, Northern Colorado, who uh, I think you probably hopefully have about 45 minutes worth of material because these guys are going to be very, very bad. What, what did yeah. we think about Northern Colorado? Well, let me leaf through here. I've got a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh. I see a lot of check marks in the loss column and in what you're calling these guaranteed losses. There's not much reason to spend any time on these guys. They are terrible. 
They have a tough schedule. You know, you'd, I like to see the Big Sky compete. I'd love if every team had a chance to make the playoffs every year, but this is not the case. Far from it. Uh, they might get two, two and a half. I have one, two, three, four straight losses out the gate, a 50-50 game, two more losses. So that they could easily start off at 0-7, seven, oh and, seven. and that's... Yeah. That makes it very tough for a team to uh, be motiv- stay motivated in you know college sports. Their field, they don't get the fans. It, it looks like a high school field, one, the few games I have watched on Pluto. It's it just not a lot of hope for Northern Colorado. Yeah, no, and every, every it, it st- I mean, it stinks both that, you know, these guys can't get fans, they can't get wins. When we talked to Reese Phillips last year, he said that the field actually stinks. It's near... Um, uh, it's near uh, some pastures, so you get just a nice wave of shit throughout the game. Um, yeah, I have I have eight eight losses, um, guaranteed losses going in, um, and so I set the over under that leaves them with four either or games, which I put Sac State, Idaho, uh, Portland State, and Cal Poly. Most of those are on most of those are home. Um, Sac State's on the road, but Sac State's also going to be bad. So. Yeah, it is. I think that, you know, so we set the over-under at two, right? Is there any reason to go above that? Um, And I think that one reason could be that their quarterback, uh, uh, Nip, um, I forget his first name, Jacob Nip, uh, he's a solid quarterback two seasons ago. He sat out last year with injury. Um, or at least most of uh, last season with with injury. He's back. He's healthy. He's coming in for his senior year. So then they say, all right, so we have him at two wins. We have these either-or games. Can they be the best of the worst teams and kind of run the table on uh, shitty schools like Portland State, Cal Poly at home, Sacramento State? That's kind of the best-case scenario for Ernest Collins um, and this this Bears squad. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in that. He only... Uh, Coach Collins has there's 13 teams in the in the Big Sky. You obviously can't play yourself, so there are 12 teams that he's that he goes against most every season. He only has a r- winning record against one of them, and it's Portland State. Uh, these guys again going back to kind of lost the production just to highlight how bad they're going to be. Um, I went through and looked at. Lost offensive production, lost total tackles, lost pressure, which is like tackles for losses and sacks, and lost passes defended. Um, came up with an average for the entire Big Sky Conference and then flagged when a team was 10 percentage points worse uh, worse than the average. The only team in the league who lost 10% or more above the average on each of these categories was Northern Colorado. They were bad last year and they lost a ton of players. They're only returning, I think six starters on offense and five on defense. It it is just, they should be much worse this year and their schedule is tough enough where there's no reason to think that they can, they can make a bounce back. Um, Let's move on to Portland state. And I forget, is this one that I'm introing or you introing Portland state? We could skip them. (laughs) <laughs> maybe we should oh, it's yours um, it's all on you okay so we have let's let's spend exactly two minutes on them 
uh, two guaranteed wins for for the Vikings. Um, one is at uh, are they they're hosting Simon Fraser, which is the only Canadian team in the NCAA Division Two team uh, coming in to play in Week Two, and then they have another Division Two game against Eastern Oregon uh, coming in in Week Four. That is it. Those are the only games that I'm confident this Portland State team can win. I have six guaranteed losses. Um, six guaranteed losses and four toss-up games. So out of these toss-up games, Southern Utah, they have Idaho at home, at Northern Colorado, and then I had to put Montana. The Montana's traveling to Portland State. I had to put Montana here as an either-or just to go with my, my system. Um, and Portland State beat the Grizz last year. I'll get into this more on the, the Grizz preview, but... I asked the players about it, and I mean, they were—they are still excited about knocking off the Grizz in Washington Grizzly Stadium last year, uh, and they should be. Um, I, I talked to uh, Charlie Talmapeo and Kenton Bartlett, and they were—they're both seniors, and I think I don't want to speak for them, but it seemed as though that was the biggest biggest game of their their college career. I said the over under, uh, yeah, with the four, two guaranteed wins, two. Uh, uh, toss-up games. I set the over/under at four. Where do you have them? Four is where they got to last year, which outperformed uh, our pick for them largely because of that Grizz victory. But I think that's did, pretty fair. Where did we have them last year? We had them at two and a half. Uh, I okay. ex- in the polls, I had them higher. I expected them to do well poll-wise, but then when we actually put pen to paper on the over/unders. We could only come up with two and a half. So they outperformed last year. They did improve. Uh, they've looked frisky at times, uh, you know, where they start off the season hot and, or show show something against those better teams like the FBS teams. But it's just they're in a tough spot. You know, they, they play on that soccer field half the time. They don't really have a home field. Um, you know, then they get these super cupcakes. Simon Fraser, I thought that was some kind of hipster joke as an homage to uh, the show Frasier since this, <laughs> te- this team from Portland. But I I don't know. They Those two guarantees make it so saying four isn't that far-fetched because they just got to find two more wins on top of those absolute cupcakes earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah, and talking through it more, I'd probably – let's set the over-under at three and a half. Um, these guys – and I, just so we don't have a push, three and a half, I cannot put it up to four and a half because that would be ridiculous. But let's move on to Sacramento State. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Hornets. Okay, so Sac State, they're in the um, no attendance division part of the big sky. <laughs> yep. And yep. they don't have an easy schedule uh, this year. And, and we say that a lot for these bad teams, and a lot of that's just because they're worse than everyone they're playing. But they yes. still have to play Eastern, Montana, Weber, Northern Arizona, at Idaho, and host UC Davis. So they do have a tough Big Sky schedule, uh, no matter how good they are. Um, they start off uh, looking like with a cup. Let's see here, with a cupcake. Um, but then they go on the road to Arizona State, and they'll get their teeth kicked in there. Um, they also play at Fresno State uh, in the fourth week. So it's just a very rough schedule. They got, they'll got they probably get two wins early, 
possibly Northern Colorado at home, and then their first game uh, against SOU. But other than that, I see no wins. So I have them at two. Where do you got them? I, I I also have them at two. Um, last year, they started off with a win against a Division II team. Remember, they played St. Francis, but it wasn't the FCS St. Francis. It was some Division II version of it. Uh, and then they also played Northern Colorado out of conference last year. That was their only win um, besides the Division II game. I think that happens. That's best-case scenario for them again this year. They have a new coach coming in, Troy Taylor. Um I think long term he's going to be a good addition to them. The the team is obviously invested in this coach. They gave him a seven year contract, um, which is what you need to do to turn a team around. That turnaround is not going to happen this year. I think, you know, they have the Southern Oregon game. I would count Northern Colorado uh, as as a either or game. And then for Montana, I had that Montana's traveling to Sacramento State. Um, and just based on how I did this, I also counted that as an either-or game. Um, so if you split that, it's it gets you to one and a half or two games, but I settled on on two, and I think that's probably a fair line for uh, Coach Taylor in his first year. All right. Um, let's, we don't need to talk about them anymore, and we're coming into an other dumpster fire, a Southern Utah team. Uh, Tell us about them. Or did is this me or you? Yes, you're up. Yeah. Oh, don't perfect. be passing. Uh, the, don't be passing more <laughs> well, of these bad teams on to me. Let's do. Uh, let's do this real quick. I have seven guaranteed losses for Southern Utah. Um, UNL at UNLV at Northern Iowa at South Dakota State. That's all out of conference. Um, and then during the year, uh, just a brutal schedule on the road of at Weber State at Montana State at North Dakota. Um, and also they have UC Davis coming into uh, uh, coming into Southern Utah for a home game. Uh, everything else is kind of either or. Um, like I'm counting Northern Arizona here as an either or, even though they're going to be favored just because the game's in Sacramento. Same thing with Idaho State. Uh, same thing with Cal Poly. I think these teams are all better. Uh, but it's a home game for Sac State. It's never easy to travel. Some of these teams are going to lose. They also have a home game against Stephen F. Austin, who they are ranked uh, pretty evenly in the, the computer.com uh, ranking system. So I have seven guaranteed losses, five either-or games, split those in half, which gets me to two and a half uh, for over-under. Yeah, it's rough. You know, and for a team that for years, they've never, they've kind of been like the stepchildren of the big sky. Uh, no one really... Yep. Uh, Kind of took them in as the family, or <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> and they were kind of overlooked. It kind of got the raw end of the deal a few times when they had some quality wins, and then were overlooked in the playoffs just because teams like Montana State or Montana had the same record or similar records. And it so now that was their opportunity. I think it's over for the time being. There's no cupcakes on their schedule. Last year. Uh, we had them at only four, four and a half wins, which was a huge drop down from 2017, and they ended up with one win last year. And this yeah. year, it doesn't look a whole lot better. One or two, you know, two and a half, it, that's about as high as we can go, I think, for this team. Yeah, it, 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 is, uh, it is too bad. Because, um, look, it is 
the problem with with these guys is they do have a decent fan base. I think most people would be shocked to find out that Southern Utah has more fans on average per game than Eastern Washington. Southern Utah in the big sky is right in the middle of the pack. They're ranked number six overall in terms of attendance. And so they are, they're not in kind of that Portland state, uh, Northern Colorado phase where like literally no one shows up to the game. Um, But they're right. They're right there with, uh, in terms of fan interest in this. Uh, but we all saw 2017 as a fluke for them. Um, but no one really believed in that win total, believed in that team. Uh, and it turned out, most of us were right, there's no reason to believe, especially with this tough schedule we just ran through. And this is not tough for them. This is just a, this would be a tough schedule for the Bobcats. This would be a tough schedule for Eastern Washington. Absolutely. It's a tough schedule, period, and they're they're not a, a great team. Um, so, you know, two and a half wins, I think, is is where they're at, um, and that, that may be generous. Yeah, I'd probably bet the under at two and a half. Yeah. All right, so moving on, we got two teams left. UC Davis, the darling of last year. Give us, give us some thoughts on UC Davis, Parlay. Well, UC Davis, they blew our guests out of the water last year. We need to fully apologize to all UC Davis fans. They yes. out, they outperformed their total by a whopping five wins. We had them down as only five. Uh, a lot of the preseason polls, at least from the Mint crew, uh, were right in that neighborhood, lower, you know, the lower end of the big sky. They ended up with ten wins last year. Uh, and well, they had nine wins. Oh, nine. Uh, Nine wins before the playoffffs before they the got playoffs. that playoff win but still I mean we were completely I wrong. thought they had a buy in the playoffs so and did they win the did they win their first game or they did not I, yeah they beat they beat Northern Iowa and then lost uh, oh that's right okay okay so nine wins so they out, ended up outperforming by four still just much better than we thought they would be last year and this year uh, should I think they're going to come down a little bit, just schedule-wise and the fact that teams like the Grizz are getting better. Uh, it's going to be kind of tough for them to win more than seven or eight games, um, but who knows? They've got a great offense, and again, their coach seems to be putting together that program together pretty well. Uh, but as a lot of these California teams have an issue with, they don't really have a home field advantage. They don't ha- get the fans out. Um, yep. So... They don't have those guaranteed home game victories against the middling teams like, say, the Grizz or the Cats do. Uh, one interesting thing I was thinking about, just looking at their last season and kind of how they've performed, how, you know, how they do on the road, is they kind of remind me of the Rob Ash Bobcats, where you know they, they've got just this prolific offense, but then they struggle against good teams. They struggle a little bit on the road, but... During the regular season, they put up a lot of wins, uh, a lot of offense, and they're an exciting team to watch. I, but I still, it's because of the schedule and that lack of home field advantage, it's tough for me to go above seven and a half or eight, uh, even though they might be a better team this year. Yeah, so, you know, last year we were dead wrong. Uh, I think we, and we knew it right away. I think I predicted they would go 0-3 to start the season because they had two FBS games and they were going against the playoff team San Diego. Um, 
they ended up going two and one in that stretch and playing tough against Stanford, only losing 30 to, to 10. Um, and then we knew we were in trouble uh, pretty early on this year. Like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, this is, this was their success last year was not a fluke. Dan Hawkins has come into UC Davis, put together a very strong, a real contender in the big sky. Um, I'm slightly more optimistic uh, than you are uh, in terms of their win total. I have them at eight and a half. Um, and I can, mostly because I only see two guaranteed losses on here, and that's at Cal and at North Dakota State. Um, but I take your point that, uh, you know, there's there's reason to believe uh, that last year's nine-win regular season performance is, could come down this year. First thing you, you kind of touched on, but there's just not a, a tradition at UC Davis of uh, sustained success, um, or frankly any success, before last year. Um, that can be problematic, right? Like that is that is something you don't have the fan base coming out to to kind of build on. I'm not sure, you know, this last season success may uh, affect recruiting that will kick in a couple of years from now, but it's too soon for it to affect this year. Uh, they have a lot of easy games on their schedule: Southern Utah, Portland State, Sacramento State. Now those should all be wins for UC Davis, but all three of those games are on the road. Right. Um, they also, you know, have to go to Montana early on in the season. Or, I'm sorry, Montana's coming to UC Davis. They have to go to North Dakota. It is it is a tough schedule. They succeeded in a tough schedule last year. And I do believe in these guys in terms of being a, a, a real football team and a real challenge in the big sky going forward. But, um, you know, there's a reason that, uh, you know, Eastern is is ranked ahead of them. Um, and I think it's because of kind of this uncertainty about the, the foundation of this team. But still, eight and a half wins. I think that's my second highest total out of any team uh, that I gave. Uh, but I think, to me, that's kind of a fair place to put them. You said seven and a half or eight? I was seven and a half leaning towards eight. And the more I look at the back end of their schedule, uh, it's going to come down to how they play against the two good big, the two teams. Weber State and Montana State that they get at home. Um, yeah. It, as a Cat fan, I really don't like the fact that the Bobcats go to UC Davis the week before Cat Grizz, whereas UC Davis has that game surrounded by Portland State the week before and yep. Sac State the week after. So they can put all their focus, all their film time, you know, all their scout team can go into focusing on beating Montana State at home, um, which is quite a travel for the Cats, when the Cats are going to have, you know, matter what Choate says, they're going to have that, you know, and UC Davis, as you said, they don't have that program, you know, um, if if it's Eastern Washington, I think there's a little more focus. But when you go into a stadium that's got 1,200 people um, and a team like UC Davis that doesn't have that uh, legacy, yeah, as a Cat player you're going to be thinking ahead towards the Grizz so that's a very tough road game for Montana State and it should be very advantageous for UC Davis at the back end of their schedule yeah completely agree um and you know they're going to be a tough out for anybody this year they could very well end up winning the Big Sky Conference uh but it is they have a few more hurdles in their way than a team like Eastern Washington uh let us go now to Weber State, the last team we're going to look at. 
I have them. They have two FBS games on the road to, in the first three weeks, so I'm marking them down as losses at San Diego State, at Nevada. Though neither of those teams are very scary, so I would not be shocked um, if Weber pulled off a win there. In fact, Weber beat Nevada the last time they played. I think Nevada was still in the big sky then. It was back in uh, uh, 93. But still, Weber is a, a solid team. These are, you know, crummy to average FBS teams. So uh, I'm still marking them down as losses. I like them against Cal Poly, Southern Utah, Northern Arizona, and Sacramento State to win all those games. So five guaranteed wins, in my opinion, uh, just for that stretch that I listed off. Uh, but they do have to travel a decent amount. And the rest of the teams coming into uh, Weber are tough. Coming to Weber through in the year, Northern Iowa uh, and North Dakota, they have to then go on the road to Idaho, UC Davis, Montana. Those are all toss-up games. Five guaranteed wins, five toss-up games, split those in half. I put them at seven and a half. Do you agree with that number? I agree. And, you know, we kind of gave the Weber fans some disservice by letting you two review this team. You were kind of down on them last year. I liked them. They ended up with nine. Um, yeah. But then that playoff game happened. And Maine had a very good defense, but Weber's offense looked pathetic in that game. Yes. And it will see how, you know, they bounce back if they get some things going. They've been known as a defensive team, but it just looked like they couldn't even that they ended up with 18 points, but it looked like they couldn't. It was a score. huge disappointment yeah. though. It, that was that yeah, game they was, had was the buy. They were um, you know, they were trying to represent the big sky and move on at least to the quarterfinals and they just couldn't even move the ball in that uh, playoff, that home playoff game they had. Just think of, think of the trip Maine has to make to come out to, right. you know, Ogden. Yes. And, you know, they just absolutely shut down Weber State. You know, that could fire them up, or it could be showing a problem they have with their offense. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I kind of think this year they're on the, the lower end of the top teams in the big sky. Uh, and we'll just kind of see where Montana comes with their tough schedule. But I think Montana's more talented overall than Weber. But, you know, as Montana State and, and Weber have shown in the last few years, a great defense can win you ball games and, uh, you know, get you into the playoffs. Yeah, and so let's do just a couple minutes on uh, – that's the last team in the Big Sky. We will post these numbers online um, and have let you all – uh, react to them but let's just kind of look in terms of what we've gone through and where there could be some potential movement uh i talked about how i looked at this in three tiers the top tier to me eastern davis weber middle tier montana state montana northern arizona the two idaho schools and cal poly and then the bottom tier portland state southern utah sac state northern colorado big sky conference you know I think at a minimum we'll get three playoff teams, even in like the worst years. Um, I think we've got enough to five, if not more. Someone can correct me on Twitter. But let's just say there's three playoff spots available, okay? And we have the top-tier teams. We've walked through the shakiness, the potential shakiness for each of those teams. Eastern's lost a lot of players. Uh, Weber's got a tough schedule. Uh, and looked, you know, their offense has some some struggles. And UC Davis is a young, 
uh, team kind of having success for the first time. So there's shakiness there. The question then is, which of the middle tier teams can make a jump? Um, to me, I don't think Cal Poly or Idaho can make a jump. I think they are solidly in the middle tier um, in terms of jumping into the, the top three. The other four teams, can Montana State take advantage of their comically bad schedule? We'll see. Can Montana play up to what the high, like they have a high ceiling and a low floor. Can they hit that high ceiling this year? Northern Arizona, is Case Cookus going to bring them enough of a spark to kind of go middle tier to top tier? And we walked through their schedule to show uh, why that could be the case. And Idaho State, this is kind of a fringy one for me, but their offense was explosive enough, explosive enough last year that if their new quarterback coming in, can he keep that same level of intensity on the offensive side of the ball? Is this a team that can you know make a jump into kind of the seven eight uh, win uh, total uh, or six seven win conference total uh, for this year? Um, that's kind of the argument for all them going up. Any of the bottom tier teams, I don't see it happening. I think these guys are not fluky bad from last year, but legit bad. Is there anything on that list I just went through that you would either disagree with or want to kind of tinker with a little bit? Well, with that middle tier, I almost think you need like a upper middle because we're kind of doing a disservice. I know we don't want to be homers here, but we're kind of doing a disservice to Montana State and Montana when we're putting Cal Poly and Idaho in the same group. Um, but, yeah, if you, if you, if God forbid we only got three playoff teams in the big sky, maybe, hey, maybe they lean that way because we've had some embarrassments the last few years. You look at NAU, yeah. you look at Weber, maybe that starts affecting the selection committee a little bit. I think you have to put in Eastern and then probably UC Davis based on schedule as the two teams that will make the playoffs in this hypothetical where we only get three. And then it's going to, it would get interesting. I tend to think, you know, with the schedule, it would be Montana State if they take care of things at home against the Grizz. Otherwise, we open the door in that third spot for a team. Uh, like Weber or Montana. NAU, looking at their schedule again, I don't know. They could be the team that surprises us this year. They've got Cookus. Nothing, you know, if they ended up in the top three, it wouldn't surprise me, but that schedule is so much tougher than Montana State's that it would be yeah. very hard for them. It'd be a huge disappointment for Montana State if NAU bumped them out of the playoffs if we only get three or four teams. So with Montana State's schedule, right? I mean, it is, I think, probably the easiest schedule in the big sky um, in terms of conference play. Is it, if they don't make the playoffs this year, is it a disaster for Jeff Choate? From my perspective, yes. But I agree. If if they beat... Here's the thing. I don't. Cat Grizz means so much to that organization because, yeah. you know, look at what happened to Rob Ash. Uh, he, he brought that team up from horrible scandal, was terrific at a student athlete perspective, always made the playoffs, 
but he couldn't beat the Grizz, and he was gone. Okay, Choate, he has beat the Grizz. So, you know, in this hypothetical world where they miss the playoffs, but they beat the Grizz, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But looking at the schedule, I don't see how that's possible that they could both miss out on the playoffs and beat the Grizz. If they do that, they have a disaster against some of these middling or worse teams throughout the year. Um, yeah. Well, and it, the, the big open question still with them is quarterback. Yes. And it, it's, yes. It's, uh, um, you know, if, if Rovid can come in and, it, you know, he's the presumed starter going into the year and he is uh, serviceable, then this they, they should steam through this schedule. But if he there's a reason that he wasn't starting quarterback last year. Um, and, you know, Jeff Choate has said that he wants Troy Anderson to be a part of the offense. He'll always be a part of the offense. But, I, you know, I would be surprised if Anderson, even with struggles on the quarterback end, if he comes in as the primary quarterback at any point during this season. Um, so that is that is... They, the Cats have the easiest schedule, especially out of these middle-tier teams. But that unknown of, of quarterback play, I mean, we will know in September, after a couple games, if this guy's legit. But it is that is the big open question there. And probably why I'd be hesitant to bet either way on this uh, over-under total of wins for them. But look, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, Parlay, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on on Twitter and whatever social media you have. I'm at Montana Parlay on Twitter. That's about all I keep for social media as far as the big sky goes. Please don't look me up unless you're willing to send me money on Venmo and Cash App for all these great tips I've given you over the years. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had a rough stretch last year in the middle of the season, but come Cat Grizz time, come playoff time, you know I'm handing out the winners, and it looks like Montana is getting very close to having legalized sports betting and when the time comes oh hell yeah you know where to get your information right here can't yeah i can't wait for that and you know send send parlay money over cash app and venmo um and continue supporting the montana mint uh we are able to you know we started this as a small website it grew a sports division out of there that sports division has now has two podcasts the two most popular podcasts in montana uh we have the most popular podcast in the big sky conference and we are launching a third podcast this fall with our bs our big sky uh podcast network bspn uh uh dudes um so stay tuned for more details on that in a couple weeks uh but we can only do this we can only send our team out to spokane to get uh one-on-one -on -one interviews we can only send our folks to games we can only Buy new equipment so it doesn't sound like Hot Take Nate is standing in the middle of a giant uh, cathedral when he talks. We can only do this because all of you, the fans, have been so awesome. Uh, you continue to download. You continue to uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, and you continue to uh, buy our gear. Uh, we're excited to announce a couple new advertisers um, when the season officially kicks off here in August. Um, so stay tuned for that. But you, the fans, are awesome Montana advertisers. We couldn't do this without you. And we are really looking forward to bringing our Big Sky Conference coverage up to a whole new level in 2019. And with that, we'll be back in a few weeks before the kickoff. And we just can't wait for the season to start. Here we go.